the doddering dolt from Delaware. <laughs> that's what we're that's uh that's what we're calling Joe Biden at least for now and maybe into the uh, foreseeable future. The doddering dolt from Delaware. That was the uh, uh, the phrase used to describe him by Josh Hammer, syndicated columnist, Newsweek opinion editor, host of the Josh Hammer Show, as well as a research fellow with the Edmund Burke Foundation. Josh, good to have you back on the air here in Cleveland. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Hope you're off to a good start this week. I was when I read "Doddering Dolt" from Delaware. That, I mean, that kind of sums it up. That's, that's just uh, that's a pretty good uh, that's a pretty good description. You're calling for Joe's resignation. In your latest piece that I read on uh, Newsweek's website, I don't subscribe to it. I apologize for that, but um, you're one of the few right, uh, rays of bright light within it. Uh, and so uh, let's talk about yours. Resign Joe Biden. You make, an, uh, you make a, a very articulate case because Joe Biden is so inarticulate and is so clumsy with what he says and where he says it and when he says it that you're afraid that he's going to lead us into something that we can't get out of. Can you tell us more? Sure. So, look, I, I am obviously a very public-facing, open right-winger. I don't pretend that Joe Biden is going to listen to my counsel when I am counseling him to resign. I am merely saying that he should. And he should because he is astoundingly, catastrophically inept at this. To make just a very, very, very obvious point. And, look, I, you know, comparisons to Jimmy Carter, I think, are obvious. You know, the Middle East is up in flames, as, as it was under Carter. Oil, inflation are obviously kind of, are, are at remarkable highs right now. If anything, that's too flattering to Carter, though. What's remarkable is the Trump administration had various successes. Let, let's kind of stick solely with foreign policy just for a moment here, because you know, I focus on this in the column a little bit. And, you know, we all know about Joe Biden's myriad domestic woes with respect to four-decade-high inflation, a horrible situation at the southern border things of that. The Trump administration, whatever it was, whether it was Russia, China, the Middle East, things were things were going really well. Trump had remarkable successes in China. He reset that relationship for the first time since the Nixon presidency. He achieved the first comprehensive Middle East peace accords in 25 years. All Biden had to do, that is, when he came into office in January 2021, is not mess it up. And, you know, sure enough, that's exactly what he's done all across the board. And he's done so not only because he has terrible ideas, because he, he is morally and intellectually bankrupt when it comes to his actual view of the world, which he is, but because he is just so remarkably weak and incompetent. And in the column that you very kindly noted, the couple of things that I, that I mentioned there, you know, back in March in Warsaw, Poland, you know, this is about a month after Russia invaded Ukraine, he veered off scripts. And he said that Vladimir Putin, quote-unquote, cannot remain in power. Well, you know, generations of Cold War-era U.S. presidents, back at the days of the Cuban Missile Crisis, whether it's Eisenhower, Kennedy, LBJ, Nixon, you name it, they knew never to call for the Kremlin to actually be deposed. Because you're talking about a nuclear-armed hegemon that has thousands of nuclear weapons. They knew better than to do that. Simultaneously, at the same time, around that in, in late May, I think it was, Joe Biden said that if Beijing actually invades Taiwan, we will defend Taiwan. He called for the U.S. to go to war to defend Taiwan if need be. That is not what the U.S. has agreed to do under the relevant statutory law of the 1979 Taiwan Relations Act. So what I really worry here is not just that he's an idiot, which he is. I don't merely worry that he's a bad person, which he is. C.E.G. Bob Bork and Clarence Thomas for indications of how putrid of a character Joe Biden is. What I'm really worried about here is that his tongue is going to slip us into World War III. 
And as horrific as Kamala Harris is, and I have you know, no doubt whatsoever as to how terrible she is, she didn't get a single delegate to the Democratic National Convention in 2020. She's less popular in many respects than venereal disease itself. But however bad she is, I trust her a little less to avoid World War III, and that's basically my bottom line conclusion. You know, Josh, we're talking to Josh Hammer, syndicated columnist, Newsweek opinion editor. I was going to retort when you when you called for Biden to resign over his uh, his his loose tongue and his uh, his dementia addled brain or whatever cognitive decline that he is suffering, whatever the reason that is. I was going to retort with I am here standing here on the northern flank, on the eastern flank. So Ukraine is a country in Europe. It exists next to another country called Russia. Okay. (laughs) A friend in need is a friend in need. Okay, so this time. These are... These are foreign policy moments as well, Josh, that um, I have to admit, I, I, I don't know if I agree that, it, that that a forced resignation of Joe Biden would do us good if she's our representation to the rest of the world. Joe might slip and get us into World War Three with something he says. She just might inspire an attack on America because of these just striking and shocking incompetence and ignorance and stupidity that projects from her mouth on world stages. She did these things in places in foreign countries where everyone in the national press is watching and she just humiliates herself and the country. So, I mean, we're left between, you know, do we want to die by fire or by ice? Either way, if either one of these two people are in charge, we're in jeopardy. Right. Yeah, this is not a particularly appealing choice, to put it mildly here. I mean, that that clip that you just played, you know, Russia is a big country, Ukraine is a small country. I mean, this is the analysis that you might expect from a third grader, right? I mean, I mean, it is not particularly sophisticated foreign, po- foreign policy a, analysis. A poor, a poor third grade student, by the way. Yeah, yeah, no kidding, right? I, I, I guess what it comes back to for me, because I'm a conservative, obviously, from a, from, a, from a conservative perspective, certainly from a, you know, capital law Republican GOP perspective here, I think it would be easier to kind of assuage and reassure our allies across the world that if Kamala Harris were president, we could just say, oh, you know, she's an idiot, but she'll, but she'll be out of here in 2024. For Joe Biden, I, 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 first of all, the very fact that he was a former vice president of Barack Obama when it comes to things like the Middle East, he just, he just got back from the Middle East. He's trying to kind of continue the horrific Obama legacy there in the Middle East. I think that's a bit of a tougher sell because there's a much longer kind of arc here. There's real trajectory going back now, you know, 14 years when Obama was elected to kind of, uh, you know, so it's much more difficult to argue and to say that we're actually just going to change this in 2024 because Biden is really kind of committed, I think, a bit more than Kamala Harris. He doesn't really have many thoughts on these issues, guys. with these. He's kind of just a moron to be, to be totally candid here. Yeah. But, you know, the other thing here is that she's not a – Kamala's a low IQ figure. But I do think that she is less likely to just catastrophically go off script and just commit these sort of gaps where Vladimir Putin, quote-unquote, cannot remain in power. Again, I, can't, I cannot emphasize enough, you know, after he said that, all the kind of folks who, you know, in my Twitter feed who have these vivid memories of the Cold War, who worked in the Reagan administration, worked in the, in the Gerald Ford administration, they, their eyes shot up. They are like, oh, my God. Like, we knew never to say something like this whatsoever. And, you know, Biden landed in Israel last Wednesday. He kind of, he literally gets down from an airplane, he sees Nate, he goes, what am I doing here? And then a few minutes later, he, he stumbles his way to a microphone, and he speaks about the truth and honor of the Holocaust. 
Mm. Like, aren't you kidding? Like, again, like, if this was 20 years ago, maybe it's like old Uncle Joe, he's just, he's just gaffed on whatever. This man is not, and it is just so profoundly embarrassing from an American patriotic perspective to see someone so clearly in the throes of mental and intellectual decline. So as horrible as Kamala Harris is, and I have no doubts to how horrible he is, or she is, excuse me here, I, I think I would roll the dice with her, but it's really not an appealing choice. <laughs> yeah, think. yeah, it, 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 it is. Like I said, it's fire or ice. We're talking to Josh Hammer, a Newsweek opinion editor. He's a syndicated columnist, host of the Josh Hammer Show as well. Josh, what did you make of the fist bump heard around the world? So I actually am not going to join the chorus of criticism with respect to people criticizing him for going to Saudi Arabia and meeting with Mohammed bin Salman. I actually have some counterintuitive thoughts. Um, uh, on Saudi Arabia and Jamal Khashoggi, perhaps. Jamal Khashoggi did not deserve to die. So I I want to clarify that. And it sounds like the Saudis really messed that up in in their consulate in in Istanbul. But what happened to Jamal Khashoggi, I think, is best explained, actually, as some of my friends like Dave Raboy have really kind of uh, explicated, I think, quite clearly. It's best explained as kind of a Qatari influence operation. And it it happened during the Trump administration. It was really best explained, I think, as a way to try to realign America's Middle East, you know, away from the Saudis, away from the Egyptians, back towards the Iranians, towards the Muslim Brotherhood, towards the various Islamist actors in the region, which, of course, is what Barack Obama wanted to do here. Saudi Arabia, obviously, is a theocratic regime, but Mohammed bin Salman is actually a fairly reform-minded leader. You know, women are driving in Saudi Arabia for the first time. They have this kind of Saudi 2030 economic vision where they're really trying to diversify their economy away from being kind of a, a one-issue petro state for the first time here. The Saudis very clearly signed off on the Abraham Accords under Trump. There's no way you have the UAE and Bahrain agreeing to make peace, peace with Israel without the Saudis' imprimatur, without their signing off on that. So uh, I thought Biden was totally wrong, all that to say, on the campaign trail to say that he wanted to make Saudi a pariah. No, the way, Saudi Arabia, whatever their, their issues may be, they are, from a transactional, hard-headed, realist national security perspective, a very important ally, actually, with respect to kind of containing Iranian hegemony in the region and things of that nature here. To say nothing, of course, of oil and energy and, and things like that, where they're obviously important as a leading OPEC member as well. So I'm not going to join the core of critics for, for him for, for meeting with Mohammed bin, bin Salman, but I will underscore that from an energy perspective, it, it, it does not seem like Biden was able to acquire what he wanted out of that trip. He didn't actually get a firm commitment from the Saudis to actually boost oil production, probably because he's just not very good again at what he does, that is, President Biden. And it's unfortunate that he had to kind of come begging for scraps to try to reset this relationship with the Saudis, because Biden himself was the one who, who really messed that relationship up. You know, it's funny, if you go back to 2017, I think it was May 2017, Donald Trump's very first foreign visit. Literally, his first foreign trip as president of the United States was to Riyadh. It was to Saudi Arabia because his administration understood that they were they are a linchpin of American geo strategy in that region, whatever their, you know, their their uh, Sharia qualms, whatever it may be. So Trump intuited that. And it's really unfortunate that Biden has to just kind of beg for scraps to get back just to where we were five years ago there. You know, I'm glad you brought up the energy portion of that because I was I was speaking of the Khashoggi situation and the fact that he essentially fist bumped and which is worse than a handshake in my view. I think one of the reasons people got frustrated by that too is they claimed well that this was about uh, COVID, but yet he was shaking hands with everybody everywhere else. It's like every other one is a handshake ever, and when you do the fist bump, it's what friends do. 
It's what buddies do. It's what pals do. If I met you and we went out for a beer, I might fist bump you when you left or the next time I saw you again. It's not something you do to somebody who is, you know, known to be uh, an extraordinary human rights violator and, of course, a murderer of Khashoggi. So the whole situation with the fist bump looked like he's like, hey, pal, how are you? And then the second part, which I'm glad you brought up, was the fact that he was there to beg for scraps, to beg for them to, to produce more oil. And, you know, unless I'm mistaken, um, Saudi Arabia is on a, not on a different planet, is it? I, I think Saudi Arabia and I think Venezuela and I think Russia, I think all the countries we've been going to to uh, increase their energy output because we refuse to drill for more of it here and frack for it and so forth and explore for it is because we're supposed to be saving the planet. Unless those countries are on other planets, what the hell is the difference where the oil comes from? Yeah, totally. It's very well said. The the entire the entire paradigm. I mean, simultaneously, literally earlier this month, as I saw headlines as recent as earlier this very month, this month of July 2022, that Joe Biden was still denying oil and natural gas drilling permits up in Alaska and the Arctic Refuge up there off the coast of, of Texas and the Gulf of Mexico. He's been repeatedly denying drilling permits here while going to beg to the Saudis. His administration has even kind of opened the possibility of, of directly beseeching the Iranian regime, which, you know, which is a sworn enemy, of course, of the United States for oil. So but the whole thing makes no sense whatsoever. As you say, climate change, global warming, whatever you want to call it, you know, whatever the the substantive kind of uh, policy arguments you know, for and against the drastic draconian reductions and all that stuff may be, this is a fundamentally global issue. So if the U.S. is going to unilaterally disarm while simultaneously going abroad, first of all, you know, that's literally throwing your own people under the bus, your own producers, your own manufacturers, your own people, your own workers under the bus. That is bad enough here. But it also is just completely illogical for the obvious reason that you say, which is that, again, climate change, global warming, the ozone layer, not exactly my area of expertise, but whatever the arguments may or may not be on both sides of that, it's a fundamentally global problem. So it's not like, you know, the U.S. is necessarily going to be better off if they start drilling stuff in the Middle East or India, China, whatever, and we don't do it here. No, it's going to be the exact same effect. So you might as well just have our own people do it. But again, this administration has made its energy priorities very, very clear. They literally stopped the Keystone XL pipeline on day one of the administration, January 21st, 2021. They literally could not wait till the end of the first day to nix that. But at the end of the day, the Democratic Party currently is is a dog that is wagged by a very, very, very heavy-handed tail that is basically a tail that is in cahoots with very specific interest groups. And folks like the, the pro-abortion lobby and the green lobby, the climate change lobby, are probably the two most powerful groups, I would say, in the current modern Democratic Party coalition. Yeah, which is which is a devastating reality. Uh, Josh Hammer. Josh, so just to clarify and to wrap it up, if you get rid of... True international depression. We're left with... You know, when we talk about our children, I know for this group, we all believe that when we talk about the children of the community, they are the children of the community. You're cool with that, right? <laughs> uh, very, very reluctantly cool with it for <laughs> the next two years until we can get rid of her in 2024. <laughs> God willing. God willing. Josh Hammer, opinion editor at Newsweek and the host of The Josh Hammer Show. Josh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Great work. Thanks so much. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.